This is Jim Laws, along with Nat Ayers, speaking to you in behalf of the Gospel is for All Internet Radio Broadcast. Why not get your Bible and follow along with me as we study from its pages today? While you're doing that, may I extend to you a very cordial invitation to worship with us at the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. You'll always find a very warm and cordial invitation to come and be with us, and we encourage you to do that. Every Sunday morning we have Bible classes at 9 and worship at 10, and then Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, then a midweek Bible study at 7 o'clock. If you're ever in the Tyler area, I encourage you to come and visit with us and study the Bible and worship with us after you have the opportunity. That's the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. Nat, we are going to cover today a very serious Bible subject, which I'm sure is on the mind of a lot of people, but I don't hear much about it these days, and that's really about the wrath of God. And I'd like to turn to Romans chapter 1 and uh, read just a few verses along that line, talking about the righteousness of God. For I'm, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, Romans 1.16, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And then he gives us some specific notation that about the wrath of God. And I'll turn that passage over to you to read uh, for us and to help us understand it better. I'm in Romans 1. Looking at about verse 18, and I've introduced our thought today by talking about the righteousness of God being revealed, but part of that righteousness surely includes the wrath of God. Absolutely. Uh, Romans, and it is good to be with you, Jim, and good to be with our listeners. And this this topic, this theme is, uh, I'm glad we're discussing it, it is a theme I think that the world really doesn't want to think about or or, or contemplate much. They think of God as love and God as patience and God as kind, but we are foolish if we do not think that God is also a God who uh, punishes those who uh, go against his will. And we see in this passage, Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteous unrighteousness suppress the truth. Um, if you go on, it talks about the divine nature of God. Um, it talks about, uh, throughout this uh, next passage, really all the way down through 32, about how God uh, will deal with man who is disobedient, uh, how his wrath will be poured out. Uh, There's different ways that God deals with man. Sometimes he gives them up to a debased mind. Sometimes he he casts them away. But but ultimately, there's going to be an ultimate dealing uh, that God has with man in the final judgment. Well, that is so true, Nat. We often think of the love of God, and you and I have studied that great subject on our internet radio broadcast before, the love of God and how wonderful that is. And while there is the concept of the love of God, and that should never be minimized, I would never want to try to relegate to a second 
place or inferior place, the great love of God. I, I just don't think we can overemphasize how important that is. But in the meantime, it is also true that there's another element to the nature of our Creator. And that uh, element here is the wrath of God. For example, uh, you mentioned in Romans uh, chapter 1, let's look at another verse here I was thinking about, Romans chapter 2 and verse 8. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Now, if you're not familiar with Romans chapter 2, verse 8, you might want to mark that in the pages of your Bible. And you'll notice in that verse, Romans 2, 8, the, this element as to the nature of God. We think of how wonderful God is and how loving God is, and that is true. Again, I, I emphasize how important the love of God is for all, saint and sinner alike. God does love all men and wants all men to be saved and come into a knowledge of the truth, Peter would say. But at the same time, there's an element that we may overlook here, and we dare not do it, and that is the wrath of God. And as he says in Romans chapter 2, 8, uh, but now for those people who are self-seeking, those people who do not obey the truth, they obey unrighteousness, there is a certain wrath and fury that's uh, in store for them, and, and that we need to be uh, aware of that. So I'd like for us to study today something of the wrath of God. And, and I know, Nat, that we can't discuss everything about it. I know that there's a lot that the Bible has to say about it, but let's then spend some time talking about something that's seldom considered, and that is God's great wrath. Absolutely. Uh, Jim, you know, we look throughout uh, the history of, of God's Word, you know, all the way back to Genesis and to present time, and it seems that, that there was a time as we study, you know, we go back to, um, for example, Abraham and Lot and uh, the plains of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, that God dealt with man in a quick, uh, uh, fast way. You know, he, he gave us, he gave them um, directions and commands, and if they went against them, there was uh, fast... Uh, judgment pronounced and uh, discipline punishment pronounced um, we see that throughout uh, really the old testament how he dealt physically hands-on with the children of israel was in a uh, hands-on way and i, I wonder jim if, if one of the reasons we have softened god uh, in his uh, how we view him is because in today's time often we don't see that direct uh, punishment, that direct um, involvement, um, if you would, for our sins and, and obedience, but our disobedience. But uh, is there going to be a time? Are we foolish in thinking that God has changed from this wrathful God? Uh, I believe that we can know. Uh, through uh, these passages that we're dealing with right now, uh, Revelation deals with it, that there is going to be a time where God's wrath, that same God of the Old Testament, uh, will pour out His wrath on mankind. And uh, do we... Is that the reason, Jim, that we... or that the world has maybe diminished... Uh, 
God in this way? Could be, Nat. Uh, I think there are probably several answers to that consideration. And what Nat is uh, posing is a thoughtful point, and that is the idea, why don't we talk about this? Yes. Why, don't, why aren't we more aware of this? Why don't we emphasize this as the Bible emphasizes that? And I'm sure there are several reasons why. It's probably... One of, the prob one of the reasons probably is because we'd rather not have to deal with this side right. of God. We'd much rather deal with the God of love and the God of grace and the God of mercy. And God is all of that. Yes. In fact, that's a good point we might work into a little more. And that is God does not use his wrath spontaneously. He, he does not use his wrath uh, in an impulsive type of way. Now, right. sometimes I can remember when my children were small. I might have been a little impulsive in the way I, I punished them. Finally, I got to the point where I thought, okay, now that's it. That's the last straw, and I punished my children for some wrongdoing, which yeah. probably had been building up for some time. Right. But God's never that way. Right. God is never impulsive and capricious in the way that he uh, deals with punishment, or spasmodic. Um, and you mentioned about um, Sodom and Gomorrah. Why don't we look at that for a second? Sure. Uh, Nat mentioned Genesis chapter 18 and the discussion of Sodom and Gomorrah. And even there, yeah. uh, in that matter, God did not want to punish the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was very long-suffering. You see, the point being that God is uh, not impulsive in the matter of his uh, punishment. For example, in Genesis 18 and 26, And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Uh, you see, God didn't want to do this. No. Uh, it was not that God wanted to actually uh, uh, punish people. Not that he wanted to, but that, of course, is what they deserve. And you can think, as I think about this, Genesis chapter 6, and that'll let you deal with some of these points in Genesis chapter 6 and the great flood. Uh, notice what he says there, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, his days will be 120 uh, 20 years. And, yeah. and it's telling us in that particular point that the uh, children of man continued to get more wicked and more wicked as time would go along. In verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yeah. And the Lord was sorry that he'd made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. point that I'm trying to see from these particular passages is that the punishment and the wrath of God which we study, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament, is not some impulsive, right. spasmodic type of punishment, but it is something that God hated to see, but yet it was what man deserved. Well, Jim, you know, and it also shows in this verse 8 of Genesis 6 that God is God of mercy who can be moved by a change of righteousness. Uh, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And we know that Noah and seven of his uh, family members were brought safely through the flood. And now, now the Lord regretted that he'd made man. But, the, but that but in there is pretty important. But Noah... Uh, found favor you know he was sorry about the the whole world sorry ready to blot them out ready to remove uh, all the things that he'd ever created but noah found favor in the eyes of the lord that means that a righteous man if those i truly believe 
all the way down to ten uh, was was the number given to Abraham and Lot. If they had found ten righteous, God would have spared. I believe that wholeheartedly. Absolutely, he would have been moved uh, by that. Oh yes, but there weren't ten, uh, and we we see that uh, maybe the righteous were the only ones that got out of there that that, that night with Abraham and Lot, and and so uh, God can be moved from His wrath. By righteousness, there, that's a hope for you and I right. as Christians that that wrath can be staved off by by righteousness. Exactly, and it's a good point that you make and and that we elaborate on, and that is, God is very slow with regard to His wrath. Yeah. Uh, God does not want anyone to be punished, but that is what some have deserved. Yeah. For example, in Exodus chapter thirty-four, um, there. Uh, Moses, uh, in dealing with God, he describes him this way in verse 6. The Lord passed before him uh, and uh, he and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So, and sometimes, Nat, people get the idea, well, God of the Old Testament was a God of wrath. But the God of the New Testament is a God of mercy, as if it's almost some kind of different God. But we right. see, even in the Old Testament here, and God demonstrating his great wrath upon the wicked, that yes. God was slow to anger, that God loved people, that God did not want uh, to punish people in this particular fashion, but that ended up in many respects as to what they deserved. You know, Jim, I've often wondered a question. <laughs> uh, you know, if you, if you took parents... And, and took children, and there was never any repercussion, if there was never any wrath, if there was never any punishment, what good would any of the rules ever be? If, if, if there, were, there was no sense of when you did wrong that there was any kind of punishment, well, where would the wrong stop? You know, God, yes, God is long-suffering, yes, God is merciful, but eventually, there has to be wrath. Eventually, there has to be punishment if we're going to follow God's law. You know, uh, if man, uh, you know, one reason I obey God is, yes, I want to make it to heaven. But there's another reason too, Jim. I don't want to go to hell. You know, I don't want to suffer the punishment. So therefore, Nat heirs does a better job every day. Nat Ayers is trying hard every day because I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to receive the punishment. Now, yes, we have grace and all that that covers, but we must continue to walk in the light. And so if you take away the wrath of God, if you take away the punishment that, that God has, that power that God has, then wickedness can run rampant. There's no punishment for it. That's so true, and as you point out, if there's no punishment for wrongdoing, uh, what incentive or motive is there to do what's right? There you go. Yeah, and and I, I think it's safe to say there's no alternative to punishment. No. Uh, you must have punishment. Yes. Uh, when people choose to do the wrong, they have to suffer the consequences for it. Now, sometimes uh, parents try to... Uh, cover up the consequences for their children. Children will do the wrong thing. And they don't follow through with that and and thus eliminate the consequences 
people with a bad axe of your children. But you're not doing your children any favor. You're an unruly child. That's right. Uh, You're not doing your child any favor by doing that. They should have to face the consequences of their actions because they're certainly going to have to do that in life. Absolutely. And I think sometimes the children of Israel were that way. They were like unruly children. Yes. I was thinking as you were discussing this point, Nat, of Nehemiah chapter 9. And by that time, the children of Israel had been in the Babylonian captivity and returned. And uh, they, Ezra and Nehemiah, are involved in the great work of rebuilding the city and rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah recounts the uh, wickedness of the children of Israel. I'm thinking about verse 16 and especially verse 17 of Nehemiah 9. But they said, he's recounting their history, and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commands, your commandments, then 17. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. So even though the children of Israel acted like immature children, wouldn't follow what God had told them to do, ignored the wonders and signs which God had performed for them and blessing them, and and were a stiff-necked. You know, the idea of being stiff-necked is rebellious. They were rebellious to the will of God. And uh, in this instance, God still was very slow to anger and um, wanted them to repent and wanted them to receive forgiveness of sins. You know, Jim, you know, you look at this and, you know, you, you talk about them being children of Israel. And, uh, you know, I remember being a young lad and and uh, knowing the um, knowing the rules, knowing uh, that punishment lied at the end of my, but still not wanting to follow the rules. And oftentimes, uh, you know, my parents were longer suffering than they should have been, maybe. Uh, not wanting to bring about uh, pain. And, and, you know, and I, I know that as a parent, that when I have to discipline my children, it does hurt. It does hurt me to see them hurt. And we serve a God who loves us as his children. And when we are disobedient, we go away from and and move towards a uh, the punishment line so to speak it it hurts it hurts god it, it it hurts our relationship with god that he would have to punish us or to be in danger of that punishment you know god does not desire that any to perish uh, to receive that punishment but uh in in doing so he showed us the greatest love ever by sending his son to die for our sins, you know, he did that so that that uh, we would not have to suffer. But there are still those, Jim, that are stiff-necked today uh, that will not yield to God, will not yield to obedience, and God is long-suffering. In fact, you may not see any repercussions this side of judgment in your life for being disobedient. But you're not going to escape the judgment. That's right. uh, the judgment is coming. That long suffering one day is going to run out. That's right. Well, you're right on that, Nat. And, and that's probably a point that we should 
develop a little more. Not only is there the fact that God wants people to repent and turn back to him and give up their wicked ways, and not only is it the case that God does not want uh, to demonstrate his great wrath upon the wicked, there does come a point in time where the patience of God is exhausted yes. and wrath will come. Turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 9 and 22. And in this, uh, this great passage, Paul's talking about the sovereign will of God. And he's saying his anger will be visited upon those who are deserving of it. And um, in that passage, uh, again, we're looking at Romans 9 and the verses, verse 22, and we're thinking about, you know, the time when God's patience is exhausted. Uh, what if God, desiring to show his wrath, and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. There's going to be a time when God's going to show his wrath. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be on the, the disobedient and those who deserve the great wrath of God. And that's happened before. Uh, there comes a point in time where God has said, I've had enough, yeah. and man has to face the wrath of God. Now, there's 1 Peter chapter 3. I know you're familiar with yeah. that verse. Uh, you might turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, and talk a little bit about that as an illustration of a point in time where the wrath of God reaches its limit, and you can even start up there earlier, like verse 18, okay. and read a few verses for us, and include verse 21 there sure. and explain those to us. Let's begin 1 Peter 3, uh, 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death, in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he uh, went and proclaimed to the spirits of prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, when you see this passage, we're all familiar with the uh, no, story of Noah. And, uh, you know, many of them, uh, people still today like to paint the story of Noah as a, a pretty little scene. And I know, uh, Jim, there are lots of little kids' nurseries that are painted with a scene of Noah. But when you look at the true scene of Noah, there was, yes, there was beauty at the end of it, but there was a lot of death and destruction that was played out in that scene. Absolutely. But, but that time period, when Noah was building that ark, it, well, it took him a, a long time to build that ark. And it, during that time period, Noah preached righteousness to those people. And they did not listen. They did not hear uh, his preaching, and when that that ark, after when it was completed, when that final board was down, and and the animals were loaded, and uh, God sealed that door, the time was up. The the last sand in the hourglass had ran through. God's patience had ran through, and there was great destruction that came. Uh, all living things that were not in that ark were destroyed. And in the same way, there are more vessels, bowls of wrath being stored up today and tomorrow and however long t 
time exists that that wrath is being stored up. And if if we are not safe in our ark, which is baptism, verse 21, today, uh, we're not going to survive the destruction that is awaiting uh, mankind and all uh, creation. Uh, just as Noah was safe in the ark, we too can be safe from that wrath uh, through the baptism into Christ. But if we are not prepared for it, it's going to be a very uh, sad and destructive day. But we, God in his patience and love and kindness has provided us a way to escape the wrath that is to come. That is so true, Nat. We're talking about 1 Peter chapter 3, and we started the reading at verse 18, and that's helping us understand this paragraph. And as he brought out, notice there verse 20, because they formerly did not obey. Now, who who, uh, were saved? Well, he tells us, and that was making that point, uh, eight souls were saved that were in the ark, but the rest of the world died. That's right. Uh, the wrath of God was almost, and I say this accommodatively, unbelievable to unimaginable. Yeah. I mean, all of humanity died except eight people. That's right. Now, this is found for us both in the Old Testament and here in the New Testament, and we're studying First Peter chapter 3 and the passage in verse 20, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. So he was patient. Yeah. He was patient during the time where he was giving those people preparation while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were brought safely through water. In other words, eight souls were saved yeah. from that terrible destruction and from that day of wrath. But the rest of the world died That's because right. of their own rebellion. It is the point, the point that is being made here is that there comes a point in a time yeah. when God's, the cup of God's wrath is full and it spills out on the wicked. And That's right. If we can talk about the mercy of God, and we have, we can talk about how God is concerned about the wicked and pleads for the wicked to repent and the rebellion to re- rebellious to reform their ways. But there comes a point in time where God says, now's the time, and yep. they face the terrible consequences of their sins. Absolutely. Well, Jim, our time, speaking of time, is about exhausted for this, uh, this program. But uh, we hope to be with you again next week as we continue to look uh, upon this subject and uh, the wrath of God. There is a way, Jim, to avoid this wrath. And it is only by being in the ark, which is in Christ through baptism. And so if you've not taken care of that, we we would uh, welcome your calls or comments and we would be glad to study with you. but if you are not a child of God today, uh, there's a wrath coming for us, for this world. And uh, we encourage you to do all you can to be a child of God uh, right with the Lord.